Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 88. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Love what I do because every guest has a story to tell and their story is as unique as their fingerprint. Every week we feature professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, people who work in the trades, people just giving real world advice, telling it like it is. You know, we don't run any ads on this podcast, so we're not selling you anything. So if you found some value, please share it. Leave a five-star rating, that's easy, and write a quick review if you can. It's easy, it takes less than five minutes, it costs you nothing. Now, thank you again for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about the profession of welding, and we're going to hear about it from a woman who's a leader in this industry and doing some great things. My guest is from California and is a welder and in the automotive industry, and she's also a part-time instructor. She's very proud of founding a group called Women's Welding Syndicate, and they are global. Please welcome Tiffany Noel Orff to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Tiffany, how are you today? Good. You make me sound like a rock star. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, you are. You are. You've been doing some big things, and I've been watching you, and that's why you're a guest. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely the love it. The Women's Syndicate is global. That it is. That it is. Yes. Yeah, so we got we got to show you we got to show you some love. We got to put some respect on your name. Ah, I love it. It's funny because I really haven't talked to anybody since like the whole, you know, the new things that have happened in my life. So it's kind of cool to be able to talk to you about it cuz I've been like, you know, you, we post some things, we do some teasers, but we haven't necessarily made public what we're doing. So it's kind of cool that we decided to do this at this time. Perfect timing, as a matter of fact. Well, I appreciate it. And number 88. That's a perfect number. Did you know that? Yeah. And Asian culture, that's a lucky number. Because I remember when I was flipping homes, doing real estate, 88, we always look for that number because it was like the lucky sign for buying a house. Nice. Nice. I I never thought about it. But 88 does flow. I do like that. I do like the way 88 flows. Hey, let me ask you something. I know that you were an apprentice. And I know right now you are busy. You know, you were an apprentice, you worked in a shop, but now you're the owner. Wow. Yeah. What has the biggest surprise been for you, you know, just kind of making that transition? Because I, I see, I know you're working hard, so. Well, let's see. I went from apprentice to actually owner of my own shop 11 years ago for the first time as a welder. And that was really cool. It means more now because I didn't necessarily understand the issues that we would have as a woman in the industry, because I was so busy working, I didn't necessarily see this stuff. You know, there's always going to be the naysayers because they're jealous or they can't do what they're doing or they don't believe you did the work. And I don't really care. I just don't have time for that. I prefer it just to work. Sure. But to move forward and then to own your own shop. And then I built my own shop and I moved cross country and I went to college and I got the formal training and then to do the formal college training you know, it's it's weird. You start figuring that there is a huge deficit in our industry and you're like, holy moly. And I think the great part about it is I was older when I did all this. Mm-hmm. You know, I started delving into this when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And now here I'm 43 years old and I've had three shops under my name. And I've had, you know, I've done a college level training and I've had cool contracts as a welder. And there's still a huge deficit. So now to see a woman as a business owner 
woman-run business, woman-run movement, and people actually getting behind you, you're like, you're actually making an impact, not just providing clout for your name. Because I could care less about that. Like, I don't feel important that way. I just know that I can articulate my skills and support people so that they can do what I'm doing. Because it's not hard. It just takes work. It takes dedication. And I want more women to do that because it would certainly be I wouldn't say easier because it's not freaking easy whatsoever. I'm doing this right now with whiplash. Like I literally have whiplash right now, but it's attainable and it's feasible. But I think that we don't see enough women in the industry in this position as an educator, as a business owner, as a fabricator, as a welder, because we are marketing to the masses, which clearly it's not women. Now we're super cute and you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, but at the same time, that's not going to pay the bills. You know, they want to see who has the, I don't know, it just seems like men have more resources than women. Even in college, you know, I was going through 2016, 2017, I was a grown woman and I knew exactly what I wanted, but like if I had an issue, there was no one there to advocate for me. So I knew that was a deficit. And then the curriculum, not exactly what I was looking for. I was going to learn how to um, TIG weld formally. And thankfully I went the way I went because my route has been perfect for my plan. But if Someone wants to go out and learn how to TIG weld. You know, they send you through a $30,000 program and you just want to learn how to TIG weld. I learned flux core, which I didn't know flux core before. Blueprints, metallurgy, psychology, geometry, you know, all these things you go. I got my degree, which in California, you absolutely have to have it. But if I was just a kid coming out of high school and I will learn how to TIG weld, I'm going to have to spend $20,000. That's insane. But those are the things that you don't know that I had to experience because I just would go to a buddy shop, you know what I mean? Like, it's different because I grew up around that, but I'm not normal, and I know this, you know? So I know I do have that ability just to go to someone's shop and learn this and that, but not everybody is afforded that resource, and I want to provide that now. I'm now in the position, oh, you want to learn how to MIGLO? I got you. You want to learn how to TIGLO? I got you. Yeah, if I could interject for a second, how does that, so when people are learning can they learn from you in a shop as opposed to getting a formal education and then be marketable and be able to go work it's the same thing the only thing i'm not going to provide is a cwi certification or i'm not going to be a cwi and not certifying you i will come here and introduce you so the whole plan here is for introduction i don't want to be a college sure i do not want to certify you I have my own builds that i want to do and i have private teaching and art that i do i'm in a fully like, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm not just, I don't want to be a full welding school. Not right now. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm not set up for that. I want the introduction. I think that the lack of is the trades deficit is the introduction to people who don't even know that they could do this. You know what I mean? I didn't know. I was real estate investor, stockbroker, and insurance agent when I walked into my buddy's shop and highly mechanically inclined. I mean, I've been pulling motors since I was a kid, but you know, I walked in and I basically went from hand me that wrench to shop girl to shop owner within a year and a half. And that was full welding on frames and custom suspension and building low riders to like the piece de resistance was me working on Gene Winfield's Cadillac. Like I literally sat in his trunk and did the wiring for the AccuWare power plant. And it was funny because I had been a hero or he had been my hero for such a long time, but to actually be a woman and doing that and having pictures and just say, yeah, you know, feel like a badass but I can do that I can do that for others and it's not just obviously it's not just for for women alone but men seem to have a little bit more resources or accessibility to it and I want women to come in and know that this is a comfort space there's a clean bathroom there's snacks I'm gonna make you safe you know what I mean things I wish I had 
as a woman, when I was getting into it, I had the rough and tumble. I went through all of it. I didn't have any of that. And I don't want people to think that it's going to be like, um, uh, how do I say it? Like glossed over? Not by any means. This is a fully functioning shop we are in. There's cars in the list. You know, there's, there's paint, there's equipment, there's lathes, you know, like it's all the things, but I'm going to teach you how to feel comfortable around us. So when you go into a program, you know, that's a MIG welder. That's a TIG welder. I want to pursue this process. I can do this. I can handle a grinder as opposed to being intimidated and leaving the program because sure. there's not, not too many people have parents or friends that are just going to allow them into the shop. I am. That's, that's the whole point here. You know, I want you to feel comfortable so that more people, you know, girlfriend's going to go back and she's going to be like, oh my God, I, I did this or, and then that's going to bring another woman. That's how it was when I was teaching college level in San Diego. One girl did it and then four girls did it and then more girls did it because Word of mouth is powerful. experience that we don't, you don't know what you're missing out until you actually get your hands on it. And you realize that this is for you. I didn't know I was in real estate investment, you know, I didn't know that I was going to be a freaking welding instructor and have a shop teaching people like, what the hell, you yeah. know, not exactly what I had thought was going to happen with my life. I was thinking like psychology degree and, you know, lawyer and do some real estate investing, like not even close to what I had envisioned my plans life. Plans change, plans change. Hey, can you tell us about the women's syndicate, the women's syndicate, welding syndicate? Can you tell us about that and the impact it's had? Sure. So it's the Welding Women's Syndicate and we founded it a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And basically, it was the need to have a safe space for women to share, discuss, and celebrate others in the welding industry, regardless of their niche welding skills. So automotive, painters, structural, pipe, there's not just one place that you can go as a welder and you can talk about those sometimes hard to talk about topics like diversity and inclusion, yeah. you know, wages, abuse on the field, non-clean conditions, you know, these type of things, people don't want to talk about them. And, you know, especially you didn't know this as a podcaster or people who talk publicly, you really don't care what you're going to say. You're going to go for it because that brings in, you know, all the, the, the people there like curious what you're going to talk about. And I, I'm 43 years old. I don't care at this point. I already know I work better having my own business. So somebody is not going to yeah. fire me because I open my mouth. I'm going to demand what I what my male counterpart is already having, you know what I mean? Definitely. And I want women to know that they should, you know, feel if they're not comfortable in a space, you are more than talented to go to another place that deserves you and don't take people's abuse. And I just want people to see students and the visibility is so important because the colleges don't necessarily do it. Big manufacturers don't necessarily do it. And if they do, it's like a trending hashtag, you know, it's once a month or, you know, Mother's Day. You know what I mean? Like I'm a woman every single day yeah. and that's what the Women's Syndicate is. It's to celebrate women every single day, 24-7, good, bad, and the ugly, you know, and uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like sugarcoat anything. You know, we've had a lot of women that have been on the syndicate that we've interviewed and not such a great introduction to welding. And that's life, you know, we're human, but we want to tell people like, don't come in and think it's going to be this beautiful, glamorous experience. And it may be for you, but it's not always like that. And, you know, we want to paint a more realistic picture for women so that they are comfortable and ready when they get into this, because maybe they have the fortitude to deal with that. Maybe they don't, you know, we don't know them, but we want to share these stories and celebrate everybody. And it's cool because we've had, I think we had five countries celebrated last year, Wow. 20,000 views after the fact, not the lives, because, you know, it ranges from like 100 to 1500 during the live. 
That's 20,000 views after, and then 62 interviews last year, period. And that's not including like the magazine. I made magazine, Walding World. I made the cover and a two-page feature. And then I was interviewed by Bogus Garage, which is huge because she's like my absolute hero in the automotive industry. You know, Girlfriends did stuff with Jesse Combs Foundation. And it's cool because now we're reaching out and I'm allowing past syndicate interviews to now interview their own people so that we extend our reach even further. So I'm hoping to double that number this year without being present so much because I'm getting my own space ready right now. Definitely. I also think the collaboration is an asset because, you know, particularly when it comes to negotiating salaries, because you mentioned something about making sure that women get the same pay as men. You only learn about that if you're, if you're in the know if you're collaborating, right. if you're talking to people. I mean, I've, I worked in technology and there were times where I saw, you know, as a minority in, in a predominantly white space in technology, there are times where I learned from my white counterparts that, hey, you're on, this is what we're making. And that, I used that in negotiating, but you had to be able to collaborate. And that was at a time where we didn't have social media as much. We didn't have those groups. Right. I was relying on relationships. So I think that your group is even more powerful because you're, you're a click away from people all over, all over the world and all over the country in your same industry. So you're going to learn what's going on. Oh, so-and-so is paying this. Oh, so-and-so is paying that. So you're going to have a really good idea. And that's the key if you want equality is to be able to negotiate that. That's a key. And do your research. That's very important. We have, we want to impart not only sharing stories, but like actual things to utilize like Glassdoor. You don't even have to go to the interviews. You go to Glassdoor and research. Yes. Not even that. Google that company and see how many bad reviews, how many poor, who's getting paid what, and know that you can negotiate. Yes. You know, it's funny because people are so eager to get their foot in the door, especially women, because we feel like we don't belong there. Now me, I don't give yeah. a shit. I will go in, you're gonna I'm gonna tell you how much you get paid. And if you don't pay me, I'm out. You know what I mean? Because I earned the years you know and I feel that confident about my skills now hell maybe I'm just boasting myself a little bit too much but if you don't do that for yourself trust me they are not gonna do that yeah they are not I found out that my co-founder she when she was going through a situation she was making 30 grand less than her male counterpart and she was doing more and I'm like hell no you know when you're a woman not only do you have to weld better you have to look better you have to get better grades you know drive better car but we're getting paid less? Hell no. And, you know, it's funny. You have to have a really, really strong personality to actually stand forth because you're like, oh, dear Lord, are they going to yeah. give it to me? you got to stand strong in your power. You know what I mean? People will get away with what you let them get away with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I refuse to tell that. Yeah. I, re- I learned that at a very young age, you know, and thankfully I did. But I think that's also being a parent. You know, you put your foot yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get away with that kind of bullshit. Like, I get it. My kids, but not this one. Yeah. So why did you, you know, what made you decide to go into welding of all professions? Because you, you've done some different jobs. You've done some real estate. What made you choose welding and why do you like it so much? Honestly, I just stepped into a shop one day. I was going through a pretty nasty divorce and um, I was in a car club and my husband, my ex-husband and I were in the same chapter and the chapter president of the, of the time, he told me that I couldn't have the same meetings. So I had to go to another chapter and one of the guys owned um, a custom suspension and welding and fabrication shop. And honestly, I just never walked away. It was the first time I felt at home and welcome. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I didn't necessarily know how to weld, but very mechanically inclined, always working on cars since I was a little girl, you know, it was always car show this or working on cars that. So that came natural, that part. And then the the welding and fabrication part, I just got thrown in, mm-hmm. you know, basically because I was so mechanically inclined. There wasn't any formal training and I loved it. I loved it from the day one. I had a really, really good mentor and he made it look so easy and he was able to just articulate it in a way that I just picked it up and... A year and a half later, I co-owned the shop. Like I literally changed the name of the shop, changed the logo. It was. How did you make that transition, though? How were you able to own a like shop? Like a boss, a man. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Like a boss. So yeah. my background is business. You know, I was in real estate investment. I've always had some small business of my own, and so I went to school for marketing and advertising. So boom, new logo, new business license, new accounts, a social media at that time. I think it was Facebook at the time. Um, and we're just barely stepping into Instagram. So that's how old it is. Instagram was brand it. new. And uh, that's it. Just did my work, you know, and I made sure that anything that I had my name, my hands on, it was beautiful, perfect, structurally sound. You could not, you couldn't say anything bad about it because there's a woman involved and best believe it's going to be my fault. And I just didn't allow that. And I was so happy just running everything, talking to vendors, you know, going to car shows. It was so much fun. And then we had the opportunity to move cross country and I did it again, but we rebuilt a whole brand new shop. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you something I've heard. I've interviewed some women welders and one of the things I've heard, and I've also heard this from male counterparts is that women's attention to detail. And, and I believe this, this makes perfect sense is really good, which makes them really good welders. And I didn't know that, but I've had, like, I've done enough of these interviews where I've had men and women confirm that. You know what? It's funny because I don't even think of it that way. I'm a process woman and I need to do at least 10 things at the same time in order to feel like satisfied. And I do it very well. I'm a amazing multitasker. And I think that's also with being a a parent, you know, but with welding, there's the cleaning and the prep and the cutting and the welding. And it's just like all these processes soothe my head. Like it to other people, it seems like chaos, but it always just like calmed down my nerves and just kept me in a place where I was so happy. I just never wanted to be away from the shop. Like I get it now. Like, I'm telling you, I'm here from sun up to sundown. And they're like, don't you want a day off? No, I'm so happy in the shop because of the multitasking and the process work and just the satisfaction of knowing that that is my work. I don't know. It's just, it's a thing. And it's my shop. You know what I mean? So like, there's nothing better aside from just the welding part. Just I'm running it and I love it because at the end of the day, if there's something wrong, I can answer to myself. I don't have to wait for an email or politics or red tape. You know what I mean? It's my fault. I got it. I got it. You know, figure it out. (laughs) No, that's good. It's empowering because you know, you, you know, it's on you good or bad. You know, so that definitely is very powerful. Let me ask you another question. I have a skill trades job platform where job seekers use video to showcase their skills. You know, as someone, I know you're active on social media. How do you feel about video as a platform for welders to promote their skills? You know what? I'm on the fence about this one. And it's funny because every job is going to have a way to do things. And I feel like if they, you put out a video and you're doing one particular process in one way and they don't like that, then maybe they're going to judge you for doing a weld. Like there's no one way to do a weld, right? So if they see you're doing, you know, circles and they only do crescents, like 
I would think, I hope they don't judge you based on that. And I would hope that you're not going to be judged basically on your marketability. Like we are there to make structurally sound welds and to make something, you know, be the part of a product. So the whole marketability, I love it but I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm in that weird stage. Like, I think it would be cool, but it's almost to a point where like, what are you looking for? You know, cause really, unless we're watching the bend test or an etching of that weld, what exactly are you gaining by seeing this? You know what I mean? Aside from how marketable you are vis visually. So I think that. No, I, I thought about it more from proof of skill set. So meaning that if I said, Hey, I'm a welder. Now I've never done welding before a video would be able to prove that that's false. And that's how I was thinking about it, as opposed to, I know what you're saying, there are different types of welds, but what I find in my business, and this is on the technology side, is that everybody says they can do something. I mean, I'm sure you've had this happen. Somebody says they can do something, whether it's you've hired somebody to do something in your yard or whatever it is, and then they pop up and they can't do it. <laughs> it's but happened on the same token, you can take this, unless you're like an absolute media guru, you're not going to be able to see, like I've seen, okay, so for instance, I had an issue where during one of my classes, I go through and I show them a video. And then I go to each booth and I give them hands-on. Well, the video I had went to was one of the red and blues. And it shows a very cute girl welding. No big deal. Shows the, she's doing her thing. But she didn't show a close-up picture of the weld. That's what we want to see. You know what I mean? I want to see your motion. I want to see the after. I want to see the cuts. So those are... You can see it, but just because I can see you doing it doesn't necessarily mean that you can do it. Yeah. So it goes both ways for welding. Just because I can see you doing it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it right. You know, so unless you're absolutely amazing at like, you know, showing welding videos, like welding tips and tricks, you know what I mean? Like there's some people that do that for a living. Like I don't, my little iPhone isn't going to work like that. No, I get it. <laughs> I get it. The, the proof is in the, the proof is in the details is what you're saying. The proof is in the structurally sound part of it, the integrity. So sometimes that's not, you're not able to translate that through video unless you're a videographer or you just got it like that. You know, not a lot of people I see faking the funk on social media and you, you, you know, you go to their shop and you're like, mm. <laughs> you know? let me ask you, what do you think makes an elite welder? Like, how do you know somebody's an elite welder? An elite welder is a person who has gotten the time under the hood, so welding time, and then someone who can have a structurally sound weld. But most importantly, and this is the most crucial part about being an elite welder, is someone who can articulate those skills to the future generation. Because I know lots of really, really good welders, but they are so old school, they can't, they don't want to be around people. And they're not able to translate those skills to the future generation, so it's just a lost art. And that's definitely a tragedy. So people who are actually able to convey that to others in a way that they can pick it up and make a living and form a structurally sound well, that is an elite welder. No, that makes sense. That's almost like I would have uh, drawn an analogy in sports is can you make your teammates better? Or if you're a sales, a good salesperson, can you make the salespeople around you better by showing them what you know? No, nah, that makes sense. I like that. I appreciate that. Hey, you know something? I know we were talking about this, the ink debate, that, uh, the ink, the ink debate that's coming up for the uh, bringing the welders and the artists together. Tell us about that. So it's a collaboration between welders and tattoo artists. It's in Florida, March 25th. It's a weekend tattoo event. Oh my God. So it's a normal tattoo event, tattoos, pinups, car shows, bikini contests, all the things, but with a twist, there's going to be a huge welding booth 
And the whole point of it is to introduce these highly skilled and trained artists to introduce them to another way that they can convey their art. And I think in my head, it works perfectly. But like, you know, we have like some rig welders. I, I imagine they're probably like, what the hell? But like when you weld for a living, you know that it's an art. And it, there's some people that put out the most beautiful welds. And it in itself, because they've had so much good time, is just a, an art in itself. So I think that a lot of these tattoo artists will be able to come over and just kind of view the type of processes and what you know what their end product is and be able to like translate their flash art or you know a lot of artists just want to have another way to get the ideas out of their head and that's welding you know like whether it's being building a car or a bridge or a piece of art it's it's all art in my head and I think that it would be very very it's a, a demographic that's not necessarily combined together and it seems odd but like it's all artwork and I think that they're going to see like, oh, you know, and maybe encourage a really, really talented pool to get into the welding industry in one aspect or another. You know, I, I don't foresee necessarily a tattoo artist going to become a rig welder. Maybe they do. Who knows? Maybe that's his jam and he didn't even know, you know what I mean? Or her jam. So it's just a, I think it's a collaboration of very talented people all across the board who may maybe the you know the the tattoo artists or maybe the welders want to get into tattooing who knows because a lot of people get into this industry who are very artistic and to me because of the automotive background this is natural for me like yeah it's like everybody you know they do tattoos they do pinstriping they do fabrication it's no big deal but like on the flip side when I lived in the south it's a lot of structural welders and pipe welders and I don't necessarily think that they get the the bridge, you know, the the idea that it's all an art, but then you see their work and it's the most beautiful thing ever. That is art. So I think it's just a combination of the two that they're trying to just bring together the two worlds to see what type of collaboration they can get, you know, in the future of translating their own art, whether it be tattoo or welding and just intermingle. It's just something you wouldn't necessarily see. I think it's very smart on their part. So we'll see. And then uh, I get to go and I'll be in uh, the Walter Women Syndicate booth with Christina. I've kind of like taken over. <laughs> but there's going to be a few of us and we're going to be doing interviews and then uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a great time. No, I agree. I agree. That sounds like a good time. It, it, you know, it's also, like I said, the art, it, I don't see how people don't see the correlation because I mean, I see it, you know, you think about somebody doing a tattoo, that's an artist, you know, somebody's doing the welding work that you do. I've seen Barbie the welder do work, Courtney Shard, I've seen her do some great work, had, had both of them as guests on my podcast and they're, they're artists. So yes, definitely. It, I could see how those two worlds mesh. Listen, final question. Please share one of the most important lessons you have learned in your life from one of your mentors and how it impacted your life. Hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily from a mentor, but I learned very early to be very humble. And it's funny because the shop girl Von Orff, that name has been with me for almost 13 years. And it's because I came in as nobody into a shop and I was literally sweeping the floors. And now I'm owning my own shop again, and I'm still sweeping the floor. So just don't ever think that you are too good to do what it takes to get the job done, whether it's I was on my hands and knees scrubbing the bathroom or sweeping a floor. Because if you're not humble, nobody's going to want to work with you. So it's pointless if you know how to weld. You know, and I, I, it's funny, I get students who come in after four weeks, they know how to lay a bead. 
and it's good. And they want to bump chests with me. And I just laugh, like, whatever. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you want to, let's have a competition because there is very, very talented. I've had such a talented pool come through my classroom. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, if you're good, I'm going to shake your hand. You know, like, I, I'm not too good to think that I can't. There's somebody not better than me. Clearly, there's so many people better than me. But, you know, so we'll have a competition. And I'll say, all right, we'll do it with no hands then. Let's see how good you are. And let's do it. Or no, no, no. We'll do it left-handed, which is usually people's non-dominant. And I was all, let's do it on a, like, stainless. And they don't know it yet. So they're like, oh. You got to like, that humility. Well, you think you're going to beat me? Let's do this. You think you're a welder after four weeks? Like, come on. It's I have never ever see it's the weirdest phenomenon with welders they learn how to run this first beat and it's like 60 10 you're only in 60 10 it's like stick welding you know they think that they're like god's gift to the world and i'm like only <laughs> 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 welders i have never seen it with electricians carpenters you know automotive it's freaking <laughs> welders and they're like you know they're gonna stand there and they're gonna tell you they're better and they suck you know <laughs> It's a thing. Welding makes you feel so empowered because you're creating something with your hands. Yes. And it's just a thing. So I always encourage everybody to be very humble because when you're in my position and you're not, somebody's not paying you and you have to wash the car or not wash the car, well, that too, wash the bathrooms, you know, get all the people to um, pre-reg or uh, organize the office and talk to the vendors and create, you know, what it is to take to, to pay your bills every single day. It's very humbling. And, you know, I don't have somebody doing that for me right now. And I don't, I like doing it. You know what I mean? I like running my whole, my whole gig, you know, and when I can reach out and, you know, pay other people, then that's great. But you got to remain humble because if not, what's the point? Because nobody's going to want to be around you, no matter how great you think you are. Nobody wants to work with you. And they're going to go to somebody who is a little bit more humble and, you know, isn't so full of themselves. So mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, you think about it, you learn more when you're humble and just in terms of those relationships, because as a business owner, for you, it's, it's really about serving the people that work for you and ensuring that they get better and they do what they're supposed to do. And I also find that humility is great because no matter what you're doing in life, you're going up, you're going down. That's, nobody just rockets to the top. So, no, and that's funny because to get to right here, right now, took me five years, right? So, I've had my own shop. I've had not had my own shop. I've walked away. I've had heartache. I've had this, that, and the other. But to be in the space of creating what I created here, it took me five years, you know? And that, trust me, there's a lot of humility because there's times I was literally on my knees yeah, just praying to God, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> But, but that's how you make it. That, that's the difference between, you know, a lot of people give up and they don't have perseverance and they're not going to, well, you know, a lot of people won't stick for something five years, but it's also the fact that you're doing something you enjoy. I think that makes a big difference too. Well, because, and there's layers of it. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, you, you have your life experiences, you get your training, you get your work experience, you get your, you know, Whatever it is that you have to do, it, it, it was a five-year plan. And I just realized it's actually when we were talking the other day, like, I did it. You know, like, yeah. like I haven't had it before, but I walked away from it and I wanted something better for myself. I wanted something different. And I'm here now and it's very cool, but definitely the perseverance, nothing's going to happen overnight. You've got to be real humble because just as much as you're going to go up, you're going to come down eventually. Definitely. You know? 
It's life. It's life. You, and you've got to handle the good with the bad. You know? Definitely. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being a guest. Please tell folks how they can find you. Oh, good grief. I'm all over the place. Uh, Shop Grove on Orf on Instagram, Wilding Women Syndicate on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook under the same names. I have Exploratory Academy, which we're going to be starting pretty quick here. So yeah, I'm all over the place. Shop Girl Law Norge. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Folks, Tiffany, I'm going to have Tiffany's notes, and Tiffany's all Tiffany's contact information in the notes of the podcast. She is a phenomenal welder, phenomenal person. Please support her. And Tiffany, thank you again for being a guest. And you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Keith. You too. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast. 